and feeling appreciation for your practice, for sticking with it during this day. I felt great to be connecting with practitioners in the uh, meetings this afternoon, and a few more folks have meetings tonight as well uh, at six o'clock. So we're going to begin with a uh, guided metta, loving kindness, body scan. It will expand outwards to include uh, all beings, and then returning to ourselves. So after that, I'll offer a sharing of the Buddhist teachings on loving kindness. And we should end right, right about five o'clock. So I invite you to again connect with the body on the earth. Feeling the body held by the earth. The contact points of the sits bones on the chair cushion. The pressure of the feet or legs on the floor. The hands touching or touching the legs. Held by earth. And allowing the spine to be upright, with the belly relaxed, the sense of dignity and poise, and the intention to let go, to accept this present experience just as it is not needing anything to be different. And this basic intention for kindness, for caring, this metta, this goodwill, benevolence, this unconditional, an unconditional kind of friendliness and caring. And the intention to allow compassion to naturally arise. Discomfort arises in the body, in the mind. Recognizing the discomfort is itself an act of compassion. You might take a few deep breaths as we did this morning. Relaxing, releasing, being here, now. Perhaps aware of the vibratory field of the body. Perhaps aware of cool or heat. And we'll begin this body scan 
body scan offer kindness, caring to every part of our body and every part of our experience. Even where we may meet resistance or feel anger, sadness, or grief. Inviting kindness to every part of the experience, even to those emotions that could perhaps arise. We go to the scalp, allowing the attention to gently rest to the scalp, the subtle sensation to the top of the head. Inviting a kindness, caring this part of the body. And sliding down to the forehead, place where there's sometimes subtle tension. And we're inviting a relaxing, not trying to change the experience. And sliding down to the area around the eyes. Often there's also attention held here. You might be aware if that's the case. Not judging it. Just inviting a relaxing and this intention for kindness, for caring. And including the whole of our face. Perhaps even Dropping the jaw to relax the jaw. Inviting ease. And inviting presence. The here and now is this of this experience. as we offer kindness and caring to the whole of the body. And sliding down to the neck. Perhaps a sense of gratitude for the way the neck supports the head towards us. Kindness, a gentleness. Appreciating our bodies. And down to the shoulders. Appreciating how the shoulders support the carrying the weight of our body. If there's any places of tension, you can even have a sense of sending metta right to that place, sending kindness. 
perhaps even compassion if it's a strong, difficult sensation to recognize the discomfort. Oh, honey, I'm suffering. Relax. Take a breath. And bringing the attention to the right arm, the upper arm. Kind, gentle attention as we scan the body. We have the intention of softening in every part of the body. And to the elbow, and the lower arm. And the hand, including the fingertips. Perhaps aware too of any sensations of cool or heat. Appreciating the way our hands serve and support us. And then moving to the left arm, the upper arm. Offering metta, loving kindness, goodwill as we scan the body. And the left elbow. The hand all the way to the fingertips. And returning to the upper back. Again, an area where we sometimes hold some tension. Appreciating this part of the body with gratitude. Offering kindness and compassion if called for. Perhaps aware of the vibratory field of the body as we scan. Perhaps aware of a softening, softening in the body. Perhaps a felt sense of softening in the mind. In the heart. Scanning to the lower back. Kindness, caring, 
appreciation, gratitude. And then to the chest, perhaps having a sense of the chest just opening slightly, the shoulders dropping, maybe a sense of the heart opening a bit. Appreciating the heart. Appreciating the love in our hearts. And our wish to be safe, happy, healthy, and to live in a world of ease. This is Metta. Wish for safety, happiness, health, and ease. This wish that all beings connect with. We connect with our own inner goodness, perhaps. And Walt Whitman, I am larger and better than I thought. I did not think I held so much goodness. Appreciating the goodness in our hearts right now. Even though we don't always connect with this. Safe, happy, healthy, living with ease. This intention, simple intention that we're planting for metta. To fill the body, carrying our hearts. And scanning down now to the upper abdomen, solar plexus to include this offering of kindness and caring to this part of the body. Wishing ourselves well, wishing these parts of the body well. And the middle abdomen. And the lower abdomen. Sometimes a place where we hold tension, fear, 
even anger. Emotions that can be felt in any part of the body. We're offering kindness both to our body, but to whatever is present, including the emotions, maybe even memories that are triggered. Metta to every part of our experience. Whole torso now filled with metta. Whole torso head. And we slide down to include the pelvic area. Offering metta, kindness, gently, patiently. Allowing compassion to arise, if that's called for. Meeting the experience just as it is. Perhaps even knowing when to back off if there's something strong that's present. And the right leg, upper leg. Just appreciating the strength of the leg that supports, carries us. On the right knee, sometimes a place of discomfort or tension. The offering of softening without expectation of the experience changing. And the lower leg. Calf. Ankle, foot, these feet that carry and allow us to move for our connection to earth. And the upper or left leg. And the left knee. And the lower leg. Kindness carrying every part of the body. Left ankle, the whole of the foot. The whole of the body suffused with loving kindness. This simple intention we're cultivating 
patient accepting our experience. Even if we feel resistance or challenges or difficulties, metta for every part of the experience. We may feel the metta, basic kindness and goodwill. There's an energetic field that expands beyond the body. Field of metta. Field of metta. And we can allow this metta to extend outwards for other beings. Metta for all the beings in our sangha, the sangha for this retreat. And having a sense of metta Expanding outwards to the screen and outwards to all the places where we're at for this retreat around the country. Metta from our hearts to all the other beings in our Sangha. The wish for safety happiness, health, and ease. The universe holds all beings. Safe, happy, healthy, Living with ease. With our practice, we're inclining the heart and mind in this direction of metta, even if it's not what we feel. Trust in the practice to do the work. It's really offering a metta. And we can allow the metta to begin to expand outwards to include all the beings in our LGBTQI community throughout the world. Many conditions, conditions of happiness, distress, Beings who are healthy, beings who are dying. Many conditions spanning outwards to all LGBTQI folks worldwide. We can have a sense of that expanding outwards to our front, 
sweeping around to the right and behind to our left and all the way back to the center. Having a sense of metta flowing from our hearts, from this energetic field of body, metta expanding upwards in all directions. This is a universal, unconditional aspect of metta. And we can expand it even further include all beings without exception. Just the intention. The intention of metta, wishing well for safety, happiness, health and ease. All beings, human beings, animals, creatures, all beings without exception All beings wanting safety, happiness, health, and ease. Metta expanding outwards in front to all beings, sweeping to the right, behind, to the left. Back to the center. And metta expanding above. The beings in the sky, birds. Expanding below. Creatures in the earth. Metta unconditional, all directions. And then returning to the body. Feeling this body on the earth again. Feeling the energetic presence of the body in the field of metta. Appreciation for this body. the beautiful qualities of our own hearts. Beautiful qualities of the heart have always been here. Waiting to be fully seen and known.
going to, um, Rooney said, we'll be speaking to these uh, four Brahma Viharas, four beautiful qualities of the heart, divine abodes, loving kindness, compassion, supportive joy, and equanimity. These qualities are beginning to come forward in our practice. We both cultivate and incline the heart-mind in this direction, but ultimately we, we do recognize that they are innate qualities to our own hearts. So a few reflections in our practice. We were taking this step back from the world to be present, to be here and now, or practicing letting go, often referred to as renunciation, letting go, letting go to accept the present experience just as it is. Present moment, this very moment can't be different than it is. Just want to, if someone could just put their thumbs up, maybe Bruni, am I loud enough? Can you hear me okay? Okay, good. My voice tends to get softer as I sink into talks. <laughs> um, we're letting go, we're cultivating this kindness, we're trusting in awareness, we're trusting in the present moment experience. We trust in our present moment experience, we're really trusting in the Dharma, trusting in the truth to do the work, you know, letting go of the thinking mind. And feel like a sense of relief to let go of the thinking mind. But as we settle in, as some of you reported, the, the thinking mind kind of get mag gets magnified in this first day. I, uh, some of you, you referred to this. It seems like a lot of um, a lot of thoughts and kind of a, sometimes a sense of agitation or restlessness in the mind. Very normal thing, just like uh, sleepiness. Very normal thing especially the first day or two of practice. And the practice is to be very patient with ourselves, to be patient, kind, keep staying with the body, returning to the body, feeling the body on the earth, reconnecting with the breath again and again. Kind of knowing that, that your experience of restlessness or agitation or sleepiness, maybe doubt, like, can I really do a retreat like this online? That probably all of those experiences I just named have arisen for every single person here. <laughs> what the Buddha referred to the hindrances. And there may be experiences that probably all of us have had, like, why can't I just have a peaceful sit? Why can't it be like the way it was last night or last retreat I was on? Or why can't this body pain go away? If only this body pain would go away, then this would be a great retreat. But this is part of our practice. We're practicing for whatever is present and to recognize what's present uh, supports a deepening of practice, supports a settling into the body, supports a deeper connection to the heart. We're practicing overall to, to open toward a peace 
It's not dependent on anything of the world. It's in the direction of our practice. To more and more open to a peace, a contentment and ease that doesn't need our health to be perfect, that doesn't need our relationships to be perfect, is not dependent on our financial conditions, it's not even dependent on the politics of our country. And it's a gradual process. Analio, a great Buddhist scholar and monk, calls this a path of happiness. It's a path of deepening happiness at each stage along the way. As we settling in, as we settle into just being here now, letting go to be peaceful with whatever the circumstances are. So a quote on this from uh, Ram Dass. Um, Sure, most of you have heard of Ram Das, great spiritual figure. He died, I think, the end of last year. I, I only recently learned that, that Ram Das was gay. Um, Ram Das said, "Being peacefully in relationship to everything made me realize my happiness isn't based on the situation being this way or that way." My happiness is one which embraces my sadness, and my love is one which embraces my own hate. Powerful. My happiness is one which embraces my sadness, and my love is one which embraces my own hate. That's what I was suggesting with that guided body Meta scan is to, to meet every part of our experience, even those emotions of hatred or fear or anger, meeting those with a loving acceptance. Often in our practice, that the deepest suffering can be the doorway to opening to the greatest peace, to the deepest contentment. When we stay with our experience, we're, we're purifying, we're purifying our hearts. Uh, purifying the emotions, the stories of our lives. And uh, this is part of the practice. Sometimes this very strong emotions can seemingly be held in the body we weren't aware of. Maybe memories of the past that come up. This is a purification of our hearts. And then there's a the purification of understanding that comes with this practice, a purification of understanding comes as we see that when we're in peaceful relationship to anger or fear or to painful body sensations, we begin to see that a common peace is possible even in those circumstances. We begin to see there's nothing permanent to hang on to and that the, the greater peace comes with a letting go. And exactly the opposite of what our minds have been conditioned to in this culture to think what leads to happiness. I want to share a story. It's uh, a story a story I uh, told a few times the last couple of years. Uh, to Bayard Rustin. Bayard Rustin, some of you may know, was a gay African-American civil rights leader. He's going all the way back to the 1950s. And an active civil rights leader with Martin Luther King. And this is a very moving story of um, Bayard Rustin being present in the face of hatred with kindness, 
with compassion and then of the clarity seemingly mysterious came mysteriously came forward from that so this is drawn from the uh, blade of washington lg washington dc lgbt uh, newspaper um Rustin was a pioneer in the movement to desegregate interstate bus travel. Uh, and this started in 1942, so it goes all the way back to the 40s. 1942, he boarded a bus in Louisville, bound for Nashville, and sat in the second row. A number of riders asked him to move to the back, so according to the Southern practice at that time. Um, but he refused, he, he stayed in the second row. And the bus was stopped by the police 13 miles north of Nashville and Rustin was arrested. He was beaten and taken to the police station but was released. Um, and then he spoke about his decision to be arrested and how that moment clarified um, his own experience as being a gay person. He said, uh, as I was going by that second seat to the rear, a white child reached out for the ring necktie I was wearing and pulled it. Whereupon its mother said, don't touch him. If I go and sit quietly in the back of the bus now, that child who is so innocent of race relations who is going to play with me, will have seen so many blacks go to the back and sit down quietly it's going to get and it's going to end up saying they like like it back there. I've never seen anyone protest against it. And Rustin said, I owe it to that child, not only to my dignity, I owe it to that child that it should be educated to know that blacks do not want to sit in the back. And therefore I should get arrested. Letting all these white people in the bus know that I do not accept that. So there's a kindness toward that child, a compassion toward that child. Bayard Rustin was fully present for that experience, the kindness, I'm sure, for himself, and the strength, the strength of character that he did what was right at that time, even being arrested. Then he went on in this interview to say that it occurred to me that shortly after it was an absolute necessity for me to declare my homosexuality because if I didn't, I part, was part of the prejudice. So, wisdom, clarity, strength can come forward when we're present with our experience with kindness and compassion. And an interesting add-on to the story is that uh, Rustin and his partner, Walter Nagel, uh, took an unconventional step. Before, before there was gay marriage, they um, solidified their partnership uh, by Rustin adopting Nagel. Uh, Nagel was 30 years old at the time. I think Rustin was probably around 60. It was a way for them to legalize their, their uh, union their marriage, in effect. And uh, Nagel said, we actually had to go through a process as if Bayard was adopting a small child. My biological mother had to sign a legal paper 
disowning me. <laughs> I had to send a social worker to our to our home. And when the social worker arrived, she had to sit us down to talk to us to make sure this was a fit home. <laughs> entertaining part of the story, but uh, moving that he was a pioneer not only in civil rights but in gay rights too. So metta, metta has been such an important part of my own practice. Um, I love to teach metta. I teach 10-day metta retreats too, or just practice with the metta phrases. Such a deep purification practice. Metta is a Pali word that's often defined. Pali is the language of the Buddha. Described as loving kindness, benevolence, goodwill, basic friendliness. And we cultivate this intention of metta. It's, and it's mostly, it's, it's really about purifying our own hearts, opening up our own hearts. We can offer metta to others, but the practice is really for, for our own hearts. And so this is such a key part of our practice right here on this retreat, to offer kindness, caring for ourselves, being patient with ourselves, tender with ourselves, allowing compassion to arise very naturally when we feel discomfort. Imagine your friend sitting next to you, your best friend. Lord, uh, they knew you were suffering. They'd probably whisper in your ear, oh, oh dear, maybe by your first name, oh, honey, you're suffering. Relax, take a breath do that for yourself. It's, it's really hard for most of us to be that kind and soft and compassionate for ourselves. But it is a wise thing to do, and it is the Buddha's instructions. I came into the practice uh, with a lot of body discomfort. Body discomfort, and uh, especially in the lower abdomen, and the place where fear is often held. Um, I think for both of us in the LGBTQI community, sometimes this area in the pelvic area is an area where we hold emotions or discomfort, sometimes a numbness that's there. And with our practice, we're, we're asked to bring attention to what, what is most dominant in our experience. I had these strong sensations in my body that were, really didn't like these strong sensations. They were painful. And I really wanted to get rid of it. I had this big hope, I'll get rid of this, I'll be done with it, no more of this. And I started the meditation practice. Um, the teacher said, turn toward the experience with kindness and caring. Oh, oh, I didn't expect that. So to name, I went to, to gently into naming the sensations, heat, pulsing, unpleasant. Really the intention to be kind and patient with the experience, to know when to back off. And this can be part of the, the practice, the unfolding for, for some folks and uh, to really go into the, maybe the painful, difficult sensations in the body. And it can be, can really shift the orientation. In my experience, those strong sensations, it seemed so awful, so unbearable. Over time and practice, I recognized that it was the contention 
the reactivity to the sensations that were actually the problem. 99% of the discomfort was actually the resistance to the sensations. So this isn't always the case, but it's often the case that we um, contention with our present experience, with our present experience in the body, or with the emotions we're experiencing, experiencing that contention, that resistance, um, causes mental suffering. And with our practice, we have this possibility to be free of the mental suffering as we learn to be at peace with whatever our experience is. Well, right here on this retreat, we can cultivate this, this unconditional quality of metta when, because we're partly in the world. A good, some good tools to use are um, like just to pause, to keep using this pause. You now, before you start cooking dinner, before you get into bed, before you brush your teeth, pause, feel the body, Invite kindness, invite acceptance. And you may forget quite a bit of the time, probably most of the time if you're like me, but just keep returning and remembering. Keep having this intention of being in the body, of pausing, of reconnecting. I went for a long walk this morning, about a 40 minute walk, and I had the intention of just saying metta silently to every person I passed. And overwhelmingly, I forgot <laughs> That's what happens with practice. I did remember quite a few times too. I was cultivating metta and cultivating the open-hearted quality as, as I was as I was doing my walking practice. So you can you can play with this and offering metta when you step outside your house if you do, or if you have to go to the grocery store. Just having that intention, metta for, for other beings. It's it's this unconditional quality. It doesn't depend on other people's behaviors or whether they're nice to us. And metta is different than the love we feel for a partner or spouse or family member. There's naturally attachment. I, mean, I feel attachment to my husband. There's an attachment. Um, a couple months I was going, I was saying metta for my dog, and I actually recognized I had a lot of attachments to my dog that I didn't, <laughs> hadn't recognized before. So it's naturally, natural we feel attachments to loved ones. And that, that love we feel for loved ones is a little bit different from this metta, this unconditional friendliness that we're cultivating. It can become, as Bruni referred to last night, kind of a more foundational quality, metta. A quote from Sharon Salzberg, for all of us, love can be the natural state of our own beings, naturally at peace, naturally connected, because this becomes a reflection of simply who we are. This is the innate quality of our own hearts. And in the difficult world we live in right now, this teaching has, uh, this teaching of the Buddha, I'll quote from now, has been such a powerful teaching for me. I've gone back to again and again. Uh, the teaching is that hatred never ceases by hatred. 
Hatred is healed by love alone. This is the eternal law. Hatred never ceases by hatred. Hatred is healed by love alone. This is the eternal law. So it's certainly true at the societal level. When I see the hatred in our society, I keep returning to, I'm not going to, I have this commitment not to be ruled by hatred. I may feel angry. That angry anger may empower me to act, to say what's true. But I'm not going to caught up, get caught up into speaking hateful words. I'm going to stay with my intention of kindness, even if it's even if it's even if it's difficult. And these these words that the healing happens with love is true for us individually too, at our with our own practice, meeting those experiences. All of our experiences with love, with love and kindness, will so deeply support our practice. I missed this for so many years. I kept trying to get somewhere, make something happen. What was really most important was just accepting the present experience and meeting it with love, with mindfulness, meeting the difficult emotions, meeting the memories, loving acceptance, being patient, allowing the, ha- the healing to happen with love. I continue to use this in a very practical way, and you can drop in the meta phrases of uh, may I be safe, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I live with ease. Maybe just touch the heart as a way of bringing forth metta when you're feeling difficulties. It's like an antidote. Just this week, I had a difficult conversation with someone, or I, I felt I'd been offended and disrespected, and a lot of stuff bubbling up before the phone call. And I, I, I've had a lot of experience with this, so I knew to draw on the metta practice. So a half hour before the call, I offered metta. I offered metta for myself. Not for the other person, metta for myself, because I was suffering. I needed the metta. I could feel the softening and the settling in the body that really deeply supported me. I was supporting my own practice of being fully present. It did have the secondary benefit that I kept my cool in the phone call too, too, so it can manifest in this way. But metta starts right here. Metta starts in our own hearts. The Buddha said, you can search throughout the entire universe for someone who is more deserving of your love and affection than you are yourself, and that person is not to be found anywhere. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. So let that in. The Buddha is speaking to you. No one more deserving of your love and affection than you are yourself. I can't tell you how much that supports your practice, how much it supports happiness, ease, and well-being in life. It supports a universal connection to all beings when we're loving to ourselves and we're caring for ourselves. Our hearts open up to others. We see that others want the same happiness and health, same 
safety, happiness, health, ease that we want. Our hearts are open to ourselves, our hearts open to all other beings. This quality of loving kindness, it is, it is most deeply, can, could say who we are, it's in our hearts, and it's in awareness itself. These beautiful qualities of the heart, divine abodes, they really don't come through a thinking process. They come from being present here and now. You know, we incline the heart and mind in this direction, but they're just here. I'll share a little story, a very moving story for me. I was a, some of you know, a hospice volunteer for many years, an important part of my own practice, um, probably 14 years. And uh, I'd always begin my uh, shift as a volunteer every Sunday, five hours with a metta practice for myself as a way of arriving and connecting. But uh, I was sitting with a woman named uh, Mary who was very near the end of her life. And I've been sitting with her every Sunday for six weeks. And uh, I never saw anything that said she had cognitive ability. The nurses said the stroke she'd had had, uh, had fully taken her mind away. And there was never a sign of mental activity. But I would hold her right hand every day. She didn't have feeling in her left hand, but she had feeling in her right hand. And I, I felt a heart connection there. No, there was no response. But one day we were sitting and we heard a glass break in another room and a cry out for help. And without a second's hesitation, Mary's hand lifted up and waved for me to go help the other person. So where does this compassion come from? Seemingly no thinking going on. An open, receptive heart. Very powerful. It, it said something to me powerful about the qualities of the heart present for me as well, and, and trusting my own heart, trusting my practice, and trusting that our practice is to open to recognize these qualities are here, that there's nothing missing in our own hearts. Kind as if uh, all we're looking for is all we are already been here. We're just allowing the layers of confusion with our practice of being present to drop away to, uh, to see and know this more clearly. A part of the practice for me too is um, recognizing if anything blocks the heart, if anything blocks the heart whatsoever, freedom is incomplete. So in my own practice, in the last uh, eight or nine years especially, the, the process of waking up white has been important to me to see that the, the layers of privilege, a bias that I had been asleep to for decades, really blocking the heart and blocking the sense of connectedness to all beings and blocked my being an advocate and an ally for, for people of color facing hatred and discrimination. 
So it's been an exploration and it's, um, for many of us who are white, it's a great calling to, to wake up, to see what's within our own hearts, to know the history of our country's racism. For me, it's been reading a lot about the country's history and recognizing that the racial violence in our country is, is, is terror, has been terrorism. And um, at times, like a genocide, uh, I was not taught when I was in school of what happened, and, that, and uh, just a terrible, terrible history of slavery. And that the patterns still continue in the, in the institutional structures of our country that have to be undone, that won't die without an undoing process. It, in the leadership roles I'm in, I feel a call to really um, make that happen, to help be a leader in making that happen, even if I don't know how that's going to happen, but to have, but to have that commitment. Quote from James Baldwin, the, um, the African-American writer. I imagine that one of the reasons that people cling to their hate and prejudice so stubbornly is because they sense that once hate is gone, it will be forced to deal with pain. Feels so true. So it's purifying our own hearts. So this, this waking up process, waking up white, is part of the purification process for me, for many of us, for being allies for people of color, for being allies for those who are more marginalized within our own community. To uh, really, for me, recognizing that I want to be a strong ally for folks who are non-binary and and trans because they face the greatest hatred within our LGBTQI community. We're in it together, we're in it together. Ah. The heart grows more tender with our practice. Heart grows more tender and we feel a greater capacity of the heart. And this is what allows our hearts to grow wider to the depth of suffering, to the range of suffering. So we find a greater strength within our own hearts with our practice. It's so important that we bring this quality of metta to support that, that strength of opening, opening our hearts to the boundless quality of loving kindness. And the beautiful thing is that love loves. Love actually doesn't stand in opposition to hatred. You know, sometimes it's portrayed this way, that love stands in opposition to hatred. Love even loves hatred. That's the way that the hatred's healed for our own practice and, and for the world. A couple uh, favorite quotes to end with. Um, one is from uh, Galway Canal. 
Sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness. To put a hand on the brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely. Until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. Ah. My heart feels so tender. <laughs> I'm really holding all of you in my hearts. A final quote from uh, Mary Oliver. I heard so many teachers over my years of practice quote from Mary Oliver, but she's one of those writers, poets, who's often quoted in talks. Um, and yet I never heard her referred to as a lesbian, had a wife. And only after she died last year did I learn, did I learn that. You know, this way we can be invisible, even the famous among us. <laughs> Might be invisible. Uh, Mary Oliver. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes, to let it go. To let it go. Let's sit for... Just a minute before we end. Present in the body, body on the earth. Attention for kindness for ourselves. No one more deserving of our love and affection than we are ourselves. So many thanks for your kind attention and uh, please stay in the body. Return again and again to feel the body, to pause, connect with the heart intention of loving kindness. If you have the energy to return for the 7.30 uh, sit this evening, that, uh, I think... Uh, yeah, that I'll, I'll be there for tonight. And if you have the time, energy, if you have the energy for the sit tomorrow morning at uh, 6 o'clock, and be sure to be here at uh, 8.15 for the morning instructions. <laughs>